Pick up your paintbrush, it's time for Hobby Support Group. Evening listeners, and today we are joined by Ed and Richard from Bloody Miniatures, as we're going to be talking specifically English Civil War slash 30 Years War minis and Bloody Miniatures, which are minis that we all like. Won't make the obvious pun there. So, <laughs> evening, Ed. Evening, Richard. Hi, Hi guys. So, starting off, Richard, sort of like a, a nice, easy question for you. Okay. So, as, as a war gamer, what is the appeal to you, sort of, of like the English Civil War slash Thirty Years' War? Um. Well, I mean, I think the English Civil War really, I mean, obviously the figures that uh, I, I make and sell uh, are pretty adaptable to the Thirty Years' War. I've got to be absolutely honest, it doesn't greatly interest me, but I know it interests a lot of other people. Um, the English Civil War does greatly interest me. Um, what is the appeal? Um, I mean, I think it's just so weird, isn't it, that this thing happened here kind of 300 and something years ago. I mean, it's, it's literally 10, 12 generations. Um, I mean, I know three, 400 years is a long time, but it's not that long in the great scheme of things. And so when you think that this sort of terrible, really bloody, brutal life and death struggle for kind of supremacy happened in all the little funny little lanes and back alleys and fields around villages and towns where we live now, you know, in our kind of chocolate box villages, there were people, you know, down the back of your garden trying to kill each other. Um, so it's just incredibly, I find it incredibly dramatic and slightly kind of dissociative, you know, slightly discombobulating the whole kind of concept of something as, you know, fierce and fundamental and and terrible as a civil war which went on for you know in various guises the best part of 10 years in the place where we live not that long ago and you can still see it i mean you know you look on around church doorways and bridges and places where i've been where you can see the bullet holes um and in a way i mean it's interesting because i was in berlin a, a year or two ago and looking at some of the places where the you know the russians had pockmarked pretty significantly lots of um, Third Reich, you know, buildings. And you kind of go, well, it's, it's actually, it's no different, is it? I mean, you know, there were people trying to kill each other, shooting shooting at people hiding in windows here in the 1640s. Um, same as in the 1940s in Germany. You know? So it's just the drama of it, I think. Did you um, uh, get taught any English Civil War stuff at school? Because I certainly didn't. And it always felt like a sort of brushed under the carpet as a historical event. Yeah, that's a really good question, Ed. I um, I don't honestly don't think I did. I mean, I think I mean I did a history degree, um, and I don't think I even managed to do any English Civil War in that. To be honest, I did the 1745 Rebellion. I remember you know codging an essay together on that. Um, but no, I mean I think primary school. I remember doing drawings of you know Wars of the Roses and things. I don't think we got as far as English Civil War. There's many Romans and Vikings and, you know, yeah. and then by the time you get to what is now GCSE, O-level in my day and A-levels, it's all, you know, the Great Reform Act and the Chartists and, you know, so um, terribly, terribly dull, the Corn Laws. Um, so, yeah, no, never did English Civil War. So you're absolutely right. And it's fascinating. It's such a fascinating 
and pivotal period of British history, and yet I don't think it's probably featured particularly heavily in, in school syllabus. Well, I did uh, A-level history in the 90s, and that technically did touch on the English Civil War, but it was all basically on the breakdown of the Elizabethan constitution right. during James's reign. And yeah. then the syllabus basically ends as soon as Charles raises his colours and that's it. So mm. you get all, all the breakdown and all the, yeah. the preamble and yeah. then none of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then no, Rubbish, none of that. You're having no actual military bits. Uh, no, I completely agree that it, it's something that as a, a bunch of gamers and as a, a club, we have just, since we started playing it and started learning more about the period, it's something we've all become, to a greater or lesser degree, slightly obsessed with. I think, yeah. like, I think, what, three, four years ago, we as a club set out to play a big English Civil War set campaign. We all started building armies for it. And now here we are, years later, still playing it you know and still yeah. still learning more going more and more historical and niche and we're going well shall we do second siege of bristol which <laughs> you know, which breach shall we do yeah That's perhaps it's just a reflection tom of the um you know the passions that were aroused at the time i mean because it's, it's i mean i i've never actually done english civil war reenactment i know a lot of people have and they actually kind of they kind of believe it you know they're kind of they're so into it that it's it's you know it was such a turbulent period in terms of politics and religion and it's it's the kind of fatal combination i think of those two things that really fired so much of the english civil war on both sides not just the kind of puritans with and you know the, the sects and the levelers and everything else but you know, on the side of the royalists as well, the kind of divine right and the, the God-given belief in, in the king's right to have, you know, supremacy. Um, and people, it's a, a period of incredible passion. And I think once you start to get into it, and the more books you read, the more you kind of get sucked into those passions. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I kind of reflect that on the tabletop or even in the figures, really, but um, it is a absolutely fascinating period for sure. And it's very easy to become obsessed with it. Mm. I've started reading weird little books. People have been sending me little booklets and things about, you know, the siege of Arundel. It's like I didn't even know there was a siege in Arundel. Um, and and every single one of these little stories you read are full of these bloody details, you know, literally bloody, horrible details. I mean, the siege of Colchester in the so-called Second Civil War in 1648. So at the end of it, the royalist ringleaders, who, to be fair, had previously kind of given their parole that they wouldn't raise arms against, uh, again against Parliament, were literally shot, you know, lined up against the wall and shot. And the entire surviving garrison of Colchester was marched 100 and whatever it is miles to Bristol and sold into slavery in Barbados and never came back. You know, so it was a, it was a pretty, uh, pretty rough time. Mm. Uh, uh, one of my recent discoveries, I was reading a book on uh, like billeting. And it, it was a, a case of like some minor noble had refused to feed some troops that was billeted. So he sort of got a warning letter that's sort of like, you will feed them. Otherwise, we'll set fire to your property, kill you. And then the troops will disquiet and you'll upset your ghosts. Yeah. So it's, that's badly <laughs> paraphrased, but it's more or less, we'll kill you. And, and then yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll interfere with your ghosts as well. So no. That's not the kind of local council tax demand you require, is it? Really? <laughs> There's also a number of uh, pamph uh, uh, um, uh, I work in Parliament, 
and there's a recent historical project to look at petitions to Parliament. And again, there's lots of people around the country who are just trying to get some kind of recompense for horrible things that have happened to them. Yeah. Um, talking about um, the, 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 the way in which that kind of conflict and the kind of human experience, I, I, I really feel that comes through in your miniatures because um, they're such so characterful. Um, I was wondering if there's like a, would you describe there's a, a design philosophy behind Bloody Miniatures? Um, yes, I mean there is a, a, a uh, it, it kind of two things. There's a at a kind of broad level. There's a design philosophy which is this is a, a kind of a range of English Civil War slash can be used for the Thirty Years' War figures, which are not like all the other English Civil War slash Thirty Years' War figures. So at the kind of macro level, I have no interest in producing yet more ranked up, you know, rows of pikemen and musketeers and, and artillery and command groups and things, um, which is which has, has been very clear. And I've kind of made that very clear in all my communications and on my website and everything I've said every time I do a kind of a little session like talking to you guys, I make it clear. And you know, I still get loads of people going, are you going to do musketeers? Are you going to do pikemen? You know, are you going to do a command group? Can we have some more artillery? In this? And, I, and I say the same thing every time, which is that would defeat the object, right? The object is to is to do things that are not what everyone else has already done because honestly there's probably 20 different manufacturers in 28 mil that do english civil war ranges and they all do the same stuff right so i mean if if bloody miniatures has been successful and it's been quite successful so far you know as far as i'm able to judge um it's successful because i'm offering something that's kind of familiar but different uh, in the shape of character sort of figures in situations which I believe, on the basis of no evidence at all, really, but just I believe, um, are probably more representative of a lot of the fighting that happened in the English Civil Wars and, and the other associated wars around the time in, in Ireland and in Scotland as well, which is that, you know, actually big set-piece battles with the kind of marching armies, which war gamers love to play, with, you know, ranked-up pike blocks and firing lines of musketeers and, you know, everything like that, you know, yeah, they were the big turning points in the history of the wars, but actually what we what we do know is that there was a vast amount of kind of campaigning that went on at a local level with small groups of people, 20 men, 100 men, 500 men, you know, 1,000 men, where lots of local scores were settled. And there were people, as I say, you know, killing each other in their alleyways and back gardens and in fields and meadows, and, you know, trying to get control of a barn or, a, or foraging in a hedgerow. So I wanted to make a set of or a range of figures that kind of represented that side of things um, rather than yet more marching, advancing, firing musketeers and, you know, pikemen. Um, so at, at that kind of level, design philosophy is figures that are individual of characters that are kind of themed. Um, so, you know, they are themed in packs of four figures. They are dismounted troopers or they are looters or they are militants or whatever they are so every every pack has a little kind of theme so you know if you like there's a kind of macro design philosophy at a at a, at a more sort of granular level if you like the design philosophy is just make the figures as interesting and uh kind of appealing as characters as you can um, I mean, I'm lucky, obviously, that I managed to get Nick Collier, who is, 
who sculpted he sculpted a number of English Civil War ranges, thirty years war ranges for different people. He he absolutely loves the period, and he does lots of sculpting for lots of other people in lots of other periods. But I think I think English Civil War is his first and probably only true love. Um, and he's just got this fabulously instinctive understanding of the kind of you know the, the look and feel of the period. Um, and so yeah, you know at a at a sort of detailed level. Um, the design philosophy is just make them look great and don't make them look boring. I think you definitely succeed in yeah. that one. I think you think I want they, those, those are fitting in my army. I, I, I think the phrase I've used is I think that they're great for sort of like sprinkling in yeah. to, to, to armies that ends up that they sort of fit perfectly in so many of the different ranges. And all of a sudden you, you, you need that pamphleteer. You want some dismounted guys or some looters. They, they just sort of, work really nicely i find um yeah i mean it's designed to be a kind of a range to replace those sort of big battle you know if you want a thousand figures on each side this is not this is not the range for you but if you want to just add a little bit of local color and as you say sprinkle in a few characters or you know because these days to be honest skirmish gaming whether that's six or ten figures aside or 30 or 50 figures aside kind of you know different scale of skirmish games but they're much more popular now than, than the great big mass battles you know, ever used to be. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, really, they're, they're kind of, you can use them to add a bit of character to your existing massive armies, or you can just have a little set of them and play skirmish games with them, you know. There's so many sort of examples you can find in the histories for playing that. Other, this is a, a manor house that was besieged. It's got a garrison of 12 people. Um, yeah. There was, you know, we don't exactly know when it was. It got struck at, you know, some point in October, it was besieged in June. What's happening in those times, if even if you know that? I was just going to ask about skirmishing because we've been playing quite a lot of uh, Pikeman's Lament. Are there any particular systems that you play? Um, I do use the Pikeman's Lament, to be honest, quite a lot, uh, which I like partly because it's got some painted figures of mine in there. Yeah. Um, not actually bloody miniatures, but but some that I painted and took photos of years ago. Um, I like the Pikeman's Lament. It's very scalable. I mean, a lot of a lot of sort of serious English Civil War war gamers are a bit sniffy about it because it's it is kind of what's the word abstracted. You know, it's not it's not as kind of you know it's it, it's not a brilliant scientific recreation of the battlefield tactics of the mid seventeenth century. But it gives you a good flavour, particularly if you play all the kind of officer rules and traits and things. Um, and it and it unfailingly gives a good enjoyable quite quick game and i and my friends have played it with uh you know 24 36 figures aside or with 150 figures aside with you know three players on each side um and it 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 always gives a good fast moving game and i've also used it a few times with complete novices you know just friends of mine who've not even played miniatures games before and it's quite easy to explain it's quite easy to pick up once you've kind of got your head around the wait a minute, I roll 12 dice or I roll six dice, depending whether I've got six figures or, you know, so it's the, the kind of the basic maths of it takes a little bit to kind of get your head around. But then once you're up and running with it, it's, it's dead simple. Um, for very small-scale skirmish games, we, I and my friends have used a fistful of lead, which is, um, you know, it's now part of a vast kind of empire by a... a a guy I know quite well called Jay Wiley, Wiley Games. He's in he's in the states, um, 
Uh, and he's written, and they started off as a set of kind of cowboy skirmish rules for like, you know, five or six figures per player. And he's extended them into all sorts of different genres, but they work really well. If you want a very small scale skirmish, um, it's good, good fun. Um, you know, every figure has lots of different abilities and traits. So it's a kind of bit of a crossover between sort of, I don't know, sort of role playing game um, and a tabletop war game, but it's played on the tabletop with figures and it works well. It's kind of card driven to some extent. Um, so that's a good little set. Um, there's a set which I keep meaning to try and get hold of, but I've never played, which is called Once Upon a Time in the West, which everyone I've ever kind of mentioned it to have gone. That's a brilliant set of kind of English Civil War, large skirmish rules, um, which published in, I think, probably like the 1980s, maybe the 1990s. Um, I've never seen it. Everyone I've ever met that talked about it thinks it's great. Um, Beyond that, uh, no, interestingly, had a brief conversation with Rich Clark of Two Fat Lardies fame, and he's uh, said that he's been um, long wanted to do a kind of Lardies-style English Civil War slash 30 Years War-specific set of uh, rules, not probably not big big battle rules um uh but you know so we'll see maybe something will come of that he's uh he's quite taken with bloody miniatures he's bought a few of them great look look forward to that i think lardies and english civil war i think probably a, a good combo mm. i think uh your uh first range of bloody miniatures came out at exactly the right time in our campaign because we'd painted a lot of we mostly all started with the plastic uh, warlord games set yeah and i think we more or less had enough of painting those identical ones so having more characterful miniatures to 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 put in really really helps and as so we started playing um pikeman's lament and that again small units works yeah. really well um yeah so yeah and i think well, thank you thank you for and, your custom no no, no of course <laughs> and it, it just lends itself well to actually playing a fun game and being slightly ahistorical with it or just going in the weird ways that things come up with when you're rolling your commanders and stuff and then all of a sudden you actually want a miniature for your commanders that or your officers that actually look a bit more like how you've rolled them and that's where bloody minis for me really stands out so going back on to actually so the figures so when you're deciding what is sort of like the next set that you're going to sort of bring out? How much of that is sort of like weighted towards, you know, what people have been asking for, sort of what you think will be popular, sort of like, or just what you want to put on your tabletop? Because I, I know from talking to other sort of mini manufacturers, it is quite often, I want it, so it's what we're making. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty much it, to be honest. Um, I mean, I my original kind of idea with it was... I would like to have some more interesting different figures. I wish Nick Collier had done some more interesting sort of varied figures rather than replicating, you know, the same kind of troop types over and over. Um, so I thought, you know, I'll ask him, is he interested? And then, of course, once you get into the actual economics of it and the uh, kind of production side of it, you realise, well, I'm going to have to sell some of these to actually try and you know, at least cover some of the cost. And then before you know it, you've, you've started a little business, which was not my intention at all, because I literally took early retirement um, from my kind of career about three years ago, just, just before the uh, pandemic struck. And um, and I thought, OK, well, you know, let's do this and let's let's have a crack. And, um, you know, 
turned into turned into a bit bit of a uh, bit of a thing. But yeah, so in answer to your question, Tom, originally it was just this: I would like, um, I would like some guys in buff coats and back and breastplates with lobster tail helmets, you know, who are cut off their horses and are kind of clearing out a sconce or something. You know, um, nobody makes those. I mean, I think to be fair, Warlord make probably one or two of those figures, but um, so. Uh, yes, mainly it's just what I want and what I think will be an interesting set. Over time, obviously, as you know, I've been going for 18 months, 20, 20 odd months now. Over time, as you build up a kind of customer base and a bit of a following and a kind of dialogue on social media and so on, you do start to get requests. Um, and sometimes those requests do. Uh, do kind of prompt an idea or you go, you know, actually, that's a great idea. Yeah, I could do that. Very often those requests are things that I've kind of, sorry, it sounds terribly immodest, but, you know, they're things I've already thought of. They're things that are already on the list. And I've got a list of like 50 more different foot packs that you could do. Um, the question always is, mm, what do I want versus what is commercially viable? Um, because a lot of the things that people want you know, wargamers, as we all know, are a kind of peculiar breed and they all have their little niche interests. And I mean, I've got one guy, I hope he doesn't listen to your podcast. Um, he, um, he's, he's, he pestered me for quite some time about what we really need is some prone firing figures for the English Civil War. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm sure people probably did lie down and fire their muskets in the English Civil War, but I never met a wargamer who likes prone figures apart from the old. German MG34 machine gunner, you know, from the Airfix sets. Um, it, it, it's a perfectly nice idea, but no one's going to buy them. You know, I, I can't afford to invest what it costs to get the figures sculpted and moulded and cast without a certain degree of confidence that that is something that's going to sell. So uh, having said that, yeah, I mean, there's certainly some suggestions that people have made that are going to make it through into, um, into production. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty much kind of what what do I want to make and what do I think will will shift. I was going to ask about the the process when you decided that you want to have a miniature like um, I mean the one we were thinking about was the uh, a pamphleteer from the militant tendency set, which is obviously like yeah. a, 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 a that these guys existed. But when you're trying to visualize. Uh, that kind of character where do you kind of start with would you be looking at like reference books or reenactors a general description that kind of thing or no i'm sorry to tell you it's pure imagination mm. um i shouldn't admit that really probably but i mean what what i do is i mean i have a, a kind of a kind of I have, what I have I have a creative brain so I've got a creative brain that goes what I think would look great would be a little set of figures who are representative of all the kind of mad dog you know diggers ranters levelers mm. um so I, the the process is I literally write a brief um I've spent my whole career working in kind of marketing and branding right so I'm very used to working with creative people and giving briefs that will hopefully get the result you want so um I uh, I literally write a fairly succinct brief, which is what I send to Nick. So I will say, I want a set of figures that represent that kind of mad English militant tendency. Um, they're probably waving Bibles, pamphlets. They might have sprigs of 
flowers in their hats, you know, um, they're exhorting the heavens. So it's, it's pretty descriptive kind of narrative. Um, and then I just let him do his stuff. Uh, and because he's got such a good feel for the period and such a good understanding of what actually, you know, with a bit of license, I think, but, you know, pretty much what did these guys look like? You know, he, he understands the dress and the accoutrements of the time, but he's also got a great feel for kind of character. Um, so, yeah, I, I give him a written brief and then we see what comes back. And um, 99 times out of 100, what comes back is pretty much what I was expecting. Um, sometimes he surprises me. I go, wow, that's brilliant. That's actually even better than I was expecting. Occasionally it slightly disappoints me because I go, mm, that figure, don't think it quite captures the right flavor or there's a specific detail, you know, could his arm be further up in the air? Um, could his hand be on his sword hilt rather than pointing, you know, so, but it's pretty, pretty minor stuff. I mean, nine, nine and a half times out of 10, what he comes up with, with his first kind of cut of the figure, I, I just sign it off and go, yeah, that's great. So is there like a rough cut before he goes to do all the details? No, he, he pretty much finishes them apart from perhaps a few, you know, literally bows and feathers and, you know, buckles and things. So, so he doesn't normally present me with a complete fate accompli, but it's probably a 95% fate accompli. Um, and then, then you have the kind of, you know, well, if it's something I really don't like, which is probably only happen one or two, do I have to say to him, sorry, you know, that head just doesn't work. You're going to have to find another one. Um, but as I say, I've only had to do that literally. I think I've done now 20 different packs of so 80, 80 figures so far. Um, yeah, I think probably three or two or three figures where I've had to go, I don't like that. Can you can you redesign it? And that's normally not redesigning it completely. It's just changing the posture of an arm or swapping a head or something. But uh, yeah, that's the process. I mean, I have sent him sketches. There's a there's a, another guy who's a, a big sort of fan of the figures um, who has, has, has used to be a brilliant and still is a brilliant sculptor himself in his in his day um and he's also a fabulous artist and he sends me unsolicited lots of sketches of you know i think you should produce this and this you know if he gets wind of a particular themed group or set that i'm talking about producing then he will send me loads of sketches and i have sent yeah probably sent quite a few of those to nick um but like all like all artists, you know, you don't really want to be told exactly what it is you're being asked to produce. So even if I send him a sketch, what I'll get back is something that's probably along the same lines, but it won't be an exact sort of facsimile of, of what's been drawn. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just kind of feel that, uh, you know, giving a really clear, descriptive brief of what it is I'm looking for, but without pinning him down to every little tiny detail lets him use his knowledge of the period, his sculpting skills, what works, what doesn't work, what look good and what doesn't look good in a figure. So I'm getting, I think it's probably getting, getting the best out of him. I think one of the uh, things uh, with, with your miniatures as well is the um, learning about, because I guess the pamphleteer is one that I, I think you, 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 with a bit of sort of knowledge of the period you, you, is, is a, something you'd be probably aware of, but, the idea of going for slightly older firing pieces. You've got a set of like a sort of backwoodsman. I've got the name of the, yeah. the set now. Yeah, where, where you've got like old antique weapons or things that would be hunting mm -hmm. weapons. And I never thought yeah. about that as a, a thing that you would have. But logically, of course, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
Yes, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, those are the kind of details. I mean, this is what I say when I said earlier <clears throat> about thinking, uh, uh, you know, thinking about that war and what it must have been like, apart from Edgefield and Naseby and Worcester, all those massive battles which everyone knows about. Um, you know, what was the rest of it like? What was the other 90% of the war? And it was probably, you know, so that particular pack you're talking about, which I, you know, branded as the squire's men, this must have happened, right? We know it happened. Um, mm. You know, local local bigwigs, you know, local landlords, you know, people with a few, you know, a few acres and a, a few herds of cattle or a small deer park or whatever, they had retainers and those retainers would have been given whatever was available, muskets or, you know, fouling pieces and told, get out there and, you know, don't let them come in and loot our stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just thinking away from the kind of norm of what everyone does when they think about the English Civil War. Mm. Think about those other situations in which people found themselves. I mean, one of the one of the packs, probably in the next release, is pikemen, but not as pikemen, right? Because one of the things that I've noticed from reading lots of stuff about the English Civil War in particular is, you know, if, if your typical regiment had one-third pike to two-thirds shot then, well, what, what happened to the pikemen when they weren't on a massive battlefield somewhere in Oxfordshire or, you know, um, what happened at the Siege of Maidstone, which is a thing I'm doing a lot of kind of work on at the moment, where we know there were several new model army regiments there and we know a third of the new model regiments were composed of pikemen and we know that was a massive bloody street fight that went on kind of all night. What happened to the pikemen? Well, presumably someone said, get your, get your swords out or, you know, break off the end of your pike or here's a here's a halberd or here's a club get in there and you know clear those barricades and fight your way up those streets because i'm pretty sure they didn't just leave the pikemen sitting outside while they sent the musketeers in you know yeah um so it's thinking really about well you know what were those other situations because all the you know a lot of the books and things that you read about those huge amount of sieges a huge amount of taking of as you said earlier tom taking of big houses um you know, they involved hand-to-hand fighting. They weren't about massive battlefields with cavalry charges and, you know, ranked-up firing lines of artillery. They were about people trying to bash each other's brains out and stab each other in kind of, you know, the corners of small towns. Or, like, you can have, like, entire massive forces which are held up because you've got half a dozen guys on either side of a hedge. Yeah. Like, a, a particular interest of mine is the Northern Horse, which sort of float up and down the country depending which way the wind's blowing and how much they're being paid and they have basically no pikemen and it's like you will sort of read they had 300 pikemen the next like two days later they've got a couple of thousand of them so they've just sent people in the the local area who's got a pointy stick for the next hour and a half (laughs) here's a bit of money for you and so like how you sort of like being able to like represent those like ad hoc you know we've just literally cajoled some locals into you're now a pikeman here what farming implement have you got to use or whatever it's it's what i find just really interesting about the period and how when you like looking talking about like the the antique and like grandfathers in weapons and stuff like there's museums up and down the country which have got like you know war of the roses era armor pieces which have sort of been modified to carry like Vandaliers for pistols and all sorts of other things. Mm. So it's just 
if, if you if you thought, I think it's maybe what also one of the things that sort of can appeal to the war gamer in us that we can do the, the weird and the strange and actually sort of come yes. up with actually like reasonings for you and especially sort of things like the English Civil War because it is like a, a period of high strangeness with all the different religious sects and all that sort of stuff and how you can decide you know, how much are you sort of playing in that you know if this is force is not going to go near that wood because they think there's a witch lives there well yeah how actually they're not going there because they think there's a witch that lives there you know obviously it's just some unfortunate old woman who probably knows something about herbs but Mm -hmm. it gives you the opportunity to actually go well what are we doing with a witch i know we've played many games now revolving technically around a magic pig because <laughs> just the way things are altered, somehow the pig became magic. It's not a magic pig, it's just a pig that everyone thinks is magic, but it's, anyway. Uh, back on more serious matters, uh, you've said you know, you've you brought out almost like 80 figures and, and, and lots of packs for the English Civil War. Have you got any plans for sort of, any, maybe like sort of later or sort of earlier periods? I'll, I'll put my standard plug in for some more of the Spanish succession. Um, no plans, but, you know, never say never. Um, obviously this was conceived specifically as a range of figures and indeed a kind of brand, if you like, for the English Civil War period transferable to the Thirty Years' War and indeed, you know, things like the, you know, wars in early period North America and so on. Um, so, uh, you know, I, ha- I have, as I say, quite a few more packs on the kind of list to do. I certainly also have some mounted packs I would like to do. Um, and then we'll see where we get to in terms of moving on. Uh, I think um, the kind of the later 17th century, I mean, I, I bought all the Copleston Glory of the Sun, which is now, I think, North Star 16. 16- 72 or something it got it got handed over and rebranded um that range but i've I've got a lot of those and a lot of the front rank sort of sedgemore late 17th century stuff and i like that period and it's you know it's not too far distant from the mid-century civil wars um so it may be that in the fullness of time i might venture in that direction i've had kind of requests for the three musketeers and i pointed out that actually several of the figures i do will serve as three musketeers characters it's not quite the same period, but also it's the same thing. It's like there's already loads of people do three musketeers ranges, you know, well, loads. There's, there's several. Um, and it's like, I don't really want to just do things. I mean, I know people do in the world of wargaming. I mean, you know, Vikings, let's have a Viking, you know, Romans, let's do some more Romans. Like, my God, there must be hundreds of Roman ranges, you know, Buff and SS and, and British paratroopers. Like, my God, they're still doing British paratroopers. Someone doing it again. It's like, I think Paul Hicks, he's like, he's done it three times already. He's doing another range for, for Empress. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to do things that people haven't done to death already, um, like the Three Musketeers, to be honest. I think when we had a, a big, I think it was an 11-person English Civil War game, and it, it slightly came into sort of like a convention of Prince Rupert impersonators. I think there's yeah. like f- five or six on the table from multiple manufacturers. It's which, yeah. which is the real one, which is the doppelganger. All, all slightly different sizes, no doubt. Yeah. Mm. But it's just how well-fed or underfed your armies are is, is, is the joy of... Fair enough, yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I do, uh, as a slight aside, I, I think I really appreciate on your website is how you, you sort of spell it out exactly sort of where your figures fit in with the yeah. different ranges. So that, that there's no guesswork of like where exactly mm-hmm. do they fit in. So, you know, yeah. So I'm using company X or company Y. Where are they going to fit in? Are they going to be giants? Are they going to be yeah. dwarves? I really like that. Um, so last question, really, which is all a bit long winded um, shock for one of my questions. Um, do you sort of would you agree that like, I think personally like, a, a pike and shot slash sort of late renaissance army it's sort of like one of those armies really that any historical war gamer really should think about having if they haven't already got one because not only is it sort of like a really interesting period of history to play but also like from an actual game playing point of view it plays quite differently from like late medieval armies and then the ones once you get into like the age of revolution onwards um especially from like a british perspective um yes i mean i i agree everyone should have a renaissance sort of you know pike and shot whatever you want to call it era army because i just like the period um in terms of your kind of your contention that it it it's diff- different um it i mean it is different obviously self evidently i mean once you get into i mean maybe i mean i don't know my history of it is that you know when i started wargaming goodness knows almost half a century ago probably now when i was still a child um you know you did ancients and you did napoleonics and you did world war ii and that was it and then sort of at some point in fact quite early on because they were the very first metal figures i ever bought you could do english civil war um and it certainly grabbed me right right at the beginning as, as you know just more interesting and different and whether that's because it's to do with the sense of history and that sense of locality and this our bit of our history, or whether it's to do with the kind of the dress and the figures and the weaponry and the tactics. Um, I don't know. I can't, I wouldn't like to try and put my finger on it exactly. I know, as I said earlier, why I find the period of the English Civil War specifically interesting, but then I find that whole genre of kind of pike and shot effectively from kind of the Italian wars right through to, I don't know, pirates, you know, really, the whole kind of swashbuckling kind of era of, of guys in flouncy shirts. Um, yeah, it's just got a very sort of heroic feel to it. Um, it's it's both ancients and Napoleonics or, you know, pre-Napoleonics kind of black powder, seven years war, whatever you want to call it. Either side have, have a much more sort of, I mean, it's, again, it's ridiculous generalisation, but they have a more sort of, regimented static kind of feel to them um i don't know there's something about for me the kind of the late medieval through those kind of you know early modern period and i think early modern bit is part of the fascination with english civil war 30 years war as well which is it really is the transition point between kind of early history you know through to kind of the end of medieval which we regard as that's really history to what we kind of go early modern, you know, these, these people were like talking English and they were wearing trousers and shirts and things. Um, um, and they, they, they're basically us, you know, they're not these kind of slightly mythological, you know, figures in history. Um, if you look at Wars of the Roses, they, they still have that sort of, they're, they're so far distant, even though it's only a hundred, two hundred before, they still feel a long way off. Whereas English Civil War, and everything about it feels kind of closer to us somehow, you know, politics, parliament, 
debates about personal rights and liberties and and you know so yeah i mean i think i think there's a whole load of things wrapped up in it but i agree with you tom everybody should do it and they should do it they should buy bloody miniatures to do it with that's the real answer (laughs) i I was going to ask one thing just uh, as as an addendum which is i I see that part of the new releases there's going to be a witch hunter general in there Mm. which i'm quite excited by (laughs) i don't know if there's anything you can reveal at this stage or um, well, yeah, I think I've already put it out to the people that uh, kindly subscribe to my website. Um, so, yeah, the next four releases, which will probably be early next year, I think I think Nick is aiming to finish them by around about the end of January, and then the kind of the production process is about between a month and two months. So hopefully by the time I get to my second bloody anniversary uh, in the kind of mid to end of March, I'll have the next four packs out. Um, and they will be, as, as I said just now, a kind of pikemen on melee, um, you know, fighting tooth and nail, but not really with their 16 or 18 foot pikes, um, but wearing all the kind of traditional pikemen gear, you know, tacits and pikemen's pot helmets and so on. As you say, Ed, yeah, a witch finder kind of pack, which will be um, you know, a sort of a, a witch finder um, character who will probably be a bit more Hollywood than historical, because apparently the historical um what was his name nicholas i can't remember the famous the famous one mm. um he actually dressed much more like a kind of traditional cavalier apparently with a big you know lots of flouncy clothes because he was ridiculously well off um mm. from his witch hunting activities um but so there'll be a kind of puritan looking guy uh, a guard uh, a sort of a scribe and send some unfortunate victim um and that yeah that is a much requested set which tells you something about the <laughs> peculiarities <laughs> of the war ba- wargaming market. Um, but hey, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, what else is we got? Uh, what else is in there? Uh, so, Pikeman, uh, the Witchfinder. Um, God, I should know this, but I can't even remember. And two other excellent things. Got it in front of you, have you? Uh, I'm just uh, grabbing the email now. I do have it on my desktop. So we've got... Um... I literally sent it about three days ago and I've already... Yes. <laughs> we have I've Continental Mercenaries. Oh, uh, yeah, Mercenaries, just... right. Yes. Yes. So Continental Mercenaries, so some sort of a, a set of, you know, kind of hard-bitten, eye-patched, um, you know, 30 Years War types, sort of a mixed mishmash of kind of armour and fur capes and zigshka characteristic kind of 30 years war helmets and things um uh, so yeah that'll be the third one and the fourth one ed is the ragged trained bands right now this is a good example of uh where we were talking earlier about those ideas because right from the word go one of the things that nick uh collier and i discussed was well, we should do a trained band and in fact he came up with this what I was for a while, I almost went with it, which was let's do a train band that looked like Dad's army. So we'll do we'll do you know eight figures, and they're basically you know not Captain Mannering, not Sergeant Wilson, but in in seventeenth century dress. And I kind of thought well, that's a great idea. It's quite funny, but then the rest of the range and the rest of the figures aren't really funny, so it didn't really quite fit. But so it was always on the it was always on the kind of long list to do a sort of trained band militia sort of low, low grade uh, troop type pack. Um, and, but then one of the requests I've had a lot of people asking for was this thing about ragged soldiers. And I, I don't really know where that comes from. I mean, I know you read the stories and the histories of the English civil war in particular, I'm sure the same for the 30 years war about 
people whose shoes wore out and they're marching along without any shoes and holes in their trousers and, you know, coats falling apart in the weather because a few weeks, never mind a few months, campaigning in the mid-17th century with, you know, textiles as they were at the time, you know, in the rain of the West Country. <laughs> it wasn't really calculated to last too long. So I kind of get it. But so in the end, I thought, well, you know what? People seem to want ragged soldiers and I want a sort of low-grade militia type. So let's just conflate those into one pack of sort of scruffy-looking um, yeah, sort of levy types. Although actually, of course, historically, the trained bands the London train bands in particular were, were pretty elite, elite troops and they weren't scruffy at all. They had the best outfits. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the next release. And then I think I'm going to probably call a halt after that um, and move on and do some mounted packs. And I've got a kind of a list of, of probably eight to ten mounted sets that I would like to do. And then I'll take a step back and see uh, where we stand. I mean, I have a, a sort of a slight idea. I mean, it's, it's been pretty good so far. And, I've, I've, you know, all the different releases that I've done have sold pretty well. They've covered their costs. I've made a sort of small profit on it. Although if I had to factor in the time I spend on it, I wouldn't have made a profit on it. Um, but it's, it's, what do they say? It's washed its face so far. Um, However, I have a kind of a bit of a feeling that there's only so far you can go. There's only so much appetite for, um, you know, endless, endless packs of kind of characterful English Civil War, 30 Years War type figures. And I don't know whether that's 100 figures or it's 150 figures, but somehow I don't think it's very much more than that before people start getting bored with it and go, that's enough of that. Um, I've got all of those that I need. Um, So I think there will be a a sort of an end point, but I think... As I say, we've got one more one more release that will come out in probably March. Then through the remainder of next year, I will aim to get probably a couple of releases of kind of mounted packs. And again, they'll be similar. They won't be traditional, stereotypical kind of English Civil War cavalry. They will be kind of characters that are on horses, right? Much the same as some of the foot packs, but only on horseback. Um, and then, as I say, we'll see where we get to after that. Um, if I think there's still an appetite for it and people are clamoring for more, then I'll, I'll do some more. But if not, then I won't, because what I don't want to do is, you know, invest money in, as I say, making, having the figures made and making molds and everything, and then find actually this time nobody wants them. I think I can and safely speak for most war gamers, where I, I don't think as a species we're known for saying, I've got enough figures. <laughs> I don't want them. Yeah. I, 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 don't need true. I don't need any more. I've got enough. Uh, I don't think we exist. I, I don't think that's a problem. I think especially um, some more cavalry. Um, I have a bit of a cavalry buying problem. I adore cavalry armies. So yeah. um, looking forward to seeing what they are. Well, thank you very much for chatting to us this evening, Richard. We very much appreciate it and we can't wait to see what you bring out next. And thank you for coming on and thank you for you know, bringing such lovely and characterful minis to the table, which we use week in, week out, and make our, our games a lot more fun. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it, and it's really good talking to you. Thank you very much, Tom, and thank you, Ed. Great. Thanks very much. Good evening. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.